it was a crispy cheese and marmite, marmite, gnocchi, 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 gnocchi. It's gnocchi. Um, I really should that. Morning, everybody, and welcome, 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 welcome to another episode of the God's Best Kids podcast. I'm here. My name is Ophion Bassi, and I'm here with Harrison. That is me. How are you doing, brother? Um, pretty good. How yeah. did you do this fine morning? I I feel I feel beautiful. This is the first time we've done it on a Saturday. I've never really wanted to do it on a weekend, to be honest. But I feel nice about it. I feel nice. Yeah. How are yeah. you? Yeah. I I'm really well, thank you. Um, bit tired, but listen. The podcast just gives me too much adrenaline, so I need to, I need to burn it off somehow, and I'm gonna start buzzing and muffling. But yeah, I'm just happy to be here, man. Um, how's your week been? You done anything of real interest? Yes, I I went to NX Northwest concert. Oh, oh, yeah, a few people I know went to that in like Manchester. It's quite a small thing. I think the room. Like it was a room. It was an upstairs of a pub, the Hope and Ruin in Brighton. Like about eighty people, maybe a blooming, um, good evening. Like I don't know where it, I've not really thought about where it adds up, but the the vibe of it is so relaxed. Like got to speak to him a couple of times, which is just great. Really? And he's a really nice, humble guy. Like. Spoke to his warm up acts too because they they're quite nice people too and they're pretty good at what they do. So I just what? thought, what what did you say? He'd been in the crowd for a while and most people hadn't noticed. I said, well, "Do you enjoy skulking around the crowd before you go on then?" And he said, "No, no, um, I'm just looking for my mate Greg because I've got to do some breathing exercises." Like that's just so calm. But then, but then he hugged us after the show. Like he had like a nice little key for merch. He signed everyone's merch if they wanted it signed. And then, yeah, he was like, thank you, Harry and Kim, for coming. Gave us a hug. That's lovely. Yeah, performed up, up here in Manchester and, like, a few people I know went and he was, like, taking B-reels of people and shit, so he seems yeah. pretty, like, chill. And he's not that, not that big, is he? Like, he's got, like, just shy of 500k monthly listeners on Spotify. Yeah, but that's, like, this is the thing, like, it's not small either. Like, this is... Yeah, that's also true. This is what, like, really... I appreciate it because he probably doesn't have to be that humble. I've I've been with people who are have a lot less merit in terms of like being at the top of their whatever and popular or famous or whatever, and they act like they're God's gift. And this this yeah. guy is just like like you could see him just being you know one of the guys. It's it's yeah. like he doesn't hold back. He doesn't like put up any barrier, and he's just like friendly with absolutely everyone. Yeah, that's pretty. It's pretty mega. It's kind of like the bare minimum, but it kind of isn't anymore because like people don't do that anymore. So it's pretty refreshing when someone is in that kind of position. Does that? What? What's like your worst encounter with a famous person, like uh, someone famous? Well, I don't want to say. Why? Because I'm not. I'm not getting done for libel. That's brilliant. I'm gonna get done for libel if you say. I promise they're not watching. But no, but this is the thing. I know the person, so I'm not gonna. Oh, oh, ooh. 
So I'm not gonna like. Ooh. Well, they think we've got famous people in our contacts. Like they think they're famous. This is the thing. Like this is what I mean. Like Nick's Northwest. I could tell my mates I went to a Nick's Northwest concert. They're like, ah, oh, sick. Like, cool. I know who that is. Even if I don't listen to him, I know who that is. All right. If I say I saw this person that I know do whatever he does, or she. It's a he. Ooh. Um, <laughs> then they'd go, oh, cool, I don't know what that means. Holy shit. Yeah. Wow. No notoriety at all, but they think they do. So you got famous heads in your contact book. Okay. Life is different for some of us these times. This is my point. They're not famous. Nah, but like, can you just explain like the field that that they're around? Is it is it an influencer vibe? Is that what we is that what we're getting? Sports, sports. Okay. Essentially, what I just wanted to talk about is um, why all UK institutions tapped, and I know that's when I send that to you, it's pretty broad, isn't it? It's a pretty yeah. broad thing. I didn't really know where to start. The only thing I can think of, like off the top of my head, is I'm also not sure how to talk about it without being too political. It's yeah, apologies for that. But I just thought it was quite interesting and important to touch on probably about this week of a report done into the Metropolitan Police by this lady called Louise Casey, um, who released it on Thursday. And essentially this was a report done over the last year or so, maybe longer. And she described the force as institutionally racist, misogynistic, and homophobic. Um, I think trust in the police is at an all-time low. Um, I saw some stat um, source, the BBC, that it's at, like, I think this was for London. It's for the Metropolitan Police, by the way. So the London Police and Force, just to mention that. Uh, trust for it is at an all-time low at, like, 66% of people saying they do trust the police, where previously it's been high as a, in recent years, it's been like 83%. And I think like 2015 or so. The public don't feel safe around the people that, well, Londoners especially, don't feel safe around the people that are there to make them feel safe. I mean, the idea of police is they're, they're just citizens in suits, it, it, like just dressed up. Um, they're, they're meant to be like just regular citizens that just enforce the law in a way that keeps us safe. But clearly, how can the police police us if they can't police themselves? Um, the, in the report, it included stuff like um, a Muslim a Muslim officer received bacon in his shoe. Um, a Sikh officer uh, was... They cut... Some a group of police officers cut... Uh, Sikh officer's beard. And there was one more thing, I can't remember, I think something to do with the headwear of an officer, I don't know, I think they made to take it off uh, to something pretty grotesque and it's not what you want to hear or see. And yeah, I think it was 45% of black police officers who experienced racism while at work for the metro and police and this just comes at a time where you know we've had stories ranging from the Sarah Everard story and people like police officers like Wayne Cousins and 
who have done grotesque and horrible things to women, mm. um, such as killing them and sexually assaulting them. Yeah. And yeah, there's just this culture of misogyny. So yeah, what what do you make? Did you get to read much many articles about it at all? I, I, I didn't read. I I didn't read any of it to be honest. I um I took the whole. I saw, I obviously saw the headline news of yeah misogynistic, racist, sexist, homophobic, and thought, yeah, yeah, and then. Didn't bother looking into it because I wasn't surprised. And yeah, that's the thing. I think that's probably the worst thing. Like, I wasn't surprised either. And obviously, you know, you and I think if you ask a lot of people, they're not. And this is across like a whole range of age groups as well. We've seen stuff being difficult to prosecute as well in terms of like apparently it's not worth like reporting a theft now because nothing's going to be done about it. And I don't know. I think maybe they suffered with cuts as well, but ultimately, you were they were found to be institutionally racist in nineteen institutionally racist in nineteen ninety nine by the official inquiry into why um, the racist killers of Stephen Lawrence had escaped justice, and that obviously ignited a lot of riots in London at the time and protests. And yeah, I think police brutality is definitely a thing here. Like, how how can we feel safe when the police essentially can't police themselves? And their is it their commissioner? Yeah, the the commissioner, like Sir Mark Royley, refused to accept the description as the force as institutionally racist, misogynistic, and homophobic. And please mention, um, Braverman said that it she refuses, or that we shouldn't use the term racist because that term is damaging like if a report has found it is racist then it's racist like you can't you can't protect someone and go yeah but that that might be you know hurtful for the reputation yeah that's the point like yeah it's not meant to be a good thing you're not meant to go sweep yeah because that clearly is what happens anyway yeah exactly and it's not saying like all officers and there are those things it's just that it creates a culture where you can be those things mm-hmm. and clearly a lot of people have become or are those things yeah and it kind of gives them in a weird way like a platform and a space where it's safe to do that and it's fine yeah like, like I, I know a um gent who's decently high up in the met and i i can't imagine he's one of those people and i i'm sure there are plenty of people like that, but as it, yeah, as you say, it's institutionalized enough that it's regular enough for, yeah, you know, the occasional knight in shining armor doesn't matter. The, yeah, there the are a lot of bad apples, and this is looking pretty bleak. Because it has to be a quick turnaround, and fortunately, stuff like that, it's pretty difficult to have quick turnaround. Like, just some of the stories I've I've read, it's like, um. Police officers, um, like messaging victims of like heinous crimes, like sexual stuff, and what hearing that, why would you ever go forward sometimes and 
Why do you ever want to report that if you may? Firstly, it's not being taken seriously by the investigating like police officer or investigator. I don't know what they call them, but investigator. And you might just be subjected to that after you've been through enough trauma. And uh, yeah, it's just it's pretty sickening to be honest. And I just think Britain, like we've seen this, there's a lot of striking at the moment. Like institutions in Britain seem to be failing. People aren't getting paid enough. Um, I, I think about this a lot, and then I read that book watching the English. Oh yeah. Um, like it kind of backed it up to me even more. Uh, we don't complain about much. Like, Brit, the British are known for like you know stiff upper lip, like, taking things as they come, and yeah. an American guy. Like who was a, like one of the subjects that she like did some research with said during her studies, I don't get you Brits because everything in this country is like so bad, but it's never going to change because as much as you complain about it to each other, you're never actually going to make an issue out of it because no. like, you know, you're too earnest or embarrassed by making it actually making a mess that up trying to make bring attention to something that you just won't do it and uh, i yeah. can agree with that and that is the reason our country i would say is probably going to shit like i look at the tory government and all of the shit that they've been able to do like having multiple prime ministers in the same 12 month span that have broken the law is like mm-hmm. unprecedented but once you realize that this british public don't have the ability to like you know actually organize themselves together to ever lead some kind of revolt or like you just have to look at the french to be honest (laughs) yeah like if you're in france you're not getting away with anything no you're not um that's why i saw this week that king charles had to cancel his like trip because of threats of protests i mean they're protesting um pension age like rising to 65 and then I was speaking about this with a few of my friends last night and uh the age here is 67 and yeah. it's going up and nothing's happened it's quite like, funny and it's gonna go up as well and yeah it's gonna go up but that's the thing right that like, our politicians will go right we're gonna do this and all the British people go don't want you to do that yeah okay right so what are you gonna do We'll just say we don't want you to do that. Oh, okay. You're not going to do anything. No. Why would we, you know, do anything? So then nothing happens and what the politicians said happens. And then we just get a bit more moody and a bit more grumpy about life. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah, they're meant to to go to, like, Bordeaux. But, like, like we've seen in the past, I I feel like the French have protests, like, like, once every couple of months about something. And these aren't just, like... They're not like peaceful. They're like brutal protests where mm. shit's broken up and it's a proper revolt. And that's in their history. Like that is yeah, it's like Napoleon and them man. Yeah, and it's like you know, was it Louis King Louis the revolution that they overthrew? Yeah, yeah, like, the French Revolution. Like this is the thing. We we've never done that. We've just gone. Oh, the real yeah, you're our favorite people that. Why are you still here? But yeah, you're. We love you guys. Yeah, 
No, it's because it's because we just all know and we accept they were chosen by God. They're meant to be here. They're meant to rule rule yeah. over us. I know, I know I bring class into a lot of things because I've studied it as much as I have, but do you reckon there's a part of it that's just purely class? Like we are all lower class than the people in charge. So do we have like this acceptance of well yeah, but those guys, you know, they're the rulers, so they're allowed to make the decision. Yeah. We're just... Yeah, I think there is definitely a bit of that. And I think the narrative is pretty controlled, obviously, by the media. And just in other ways as well, it's, it's like reinforcing our institutions, like universities and stuff. Oh, yeah, that's another thing. Like my uni, uh, there's rent strikers because basically the student will come here is extortion of prices and... The uni, I think, uh, are trying to write, like, threaten it, of like, are gonna like increase it, and they're sitting on like, ten million pounds, like, just, like, they have ten million, but like, it's, yeah, I don't really know the ins and outs, but, yeah, there, there are a few rent strikers, and obviously we've seen junior doctors as well, going their numbers massively, and you know, fucking fair play to them, because, yeah. if you're training to be a doctor, you should not be on it. Like twenty grand a year or like twenty one grand. It it's takes not enough. Balls. It mm-hmm. takes it takes balls as well. Like yeah. First of all, like people who are in the healthcare profession, they don't like going on strike because their whole job is to look after people anyway. Um, yeah, and they're they, in it because they love people. Yeah, like they all talk about that. Like if if people are going on strike, it's always the healthcare workers that are like the last to go on strike because. Mm-hmm. It needs to be really bad for them to say, right, like, I actually have to let, like, increase the chance of someone not getting the treatment they need. So yeah. I get through in life and, like, also let people actually get the treatment they need in the future. This, that's the other thing. They're more likely to strike about the fact that people aren't getting the treatment they need than the fact that they're not getting the money they need. Like, most nurses and doctors in this country have never been paid the money they deserve, in my opinion. Yeah. But sometimes they actually have a working NHS at least that can treat the people the way they deserve to be treated. But when they don't, then they go on strike. They're happy yeah. to be underpaid as long as they can look after people. Well, they're not happy, but like they they accept it because they're doing what they believe is like their role on this planet. Yeah. Yeah, it's their vocation, I'm sure. Um, but <clears throat> Listen, power to the people, fucking fair play to people that are striking and bring about positive change and send the Bubba Clark mate. Fuck you, bro. Um, anyway, I went to my first ever boxing event and it was incredible. It was insane. Yeah, and I, I, I don't know how to describe it. It was brilliant. Like, it was vibe. It was good vibes. It was energy. There's some fantastic fights. It's just the oldest form of entertainment, isn't it? It was brutal. It was gruesome. It was bloody. Like it was literally blood, sweat, and tears, bro. Like people's noses were like the snot, like running down. And ah, oh, I I loved it. I loved it. Um, shout out to our boy Dante. Absolutely brilliant, bro. Absolutely brilliant. 
did his thing. I was unfortunately didn't get the result we wanted, but so proud. Like just to step in there, like I think the bravery, man, that is really fucking insane. And yeah, fucking big respect for that. It, it, it's sick. Have you ever been to anything like that? Fight night. Haven't no. I I've oh, watched plenty of boxing, but I've never watched it in person. I've said before that like, my granddad's a boxer, so if if there's boxing on, he puts boxing on. But yeah, I yeah, I've only ever like I've mostly watched it with him to be honest. Like I'll sit on his sofa and he'll just like put some boxing on, and I'll be like sick. But yeah, never been to it. Like I've I've always seen atmospheres are crazy. <laughs> This is that's such a weird statement, but I've never been to the darts either. But darts and boxing okay. may seem like quite similar. I don't know, possibly. Like or how? How would you say? Infused. How would you say it compares to like? Because you go to football matches quite a lot. Yeah, it compares in terms of intensity and abuse and shout and the noise, the volume, especially if like if your friends are fighting and it's pretty social as well. You have a group of people supporting their friend you don't know them but you just like kind of make friends in that way and like go on whatever that like whatever their name is like go on fucking get into him and all this um and then i love like i love people that play up to the crowd and kind of get the crowd involved and you know do all this shit like i went to dinner walkouts and like looking at the crowd like yeah yeah and then going like and then when they win some guy was like that on the on the ring and he's like that is sick I love that from you I love like people like abusing the, the opponents of their friends and I love that I was like oh, fuck you fucking prick yeah. and like trying to get in their heads so yeah in terms of abuse it's definitely like mega but there's obviously just a mutual respect because it was all students and you're like right, fair play like that is really brave and it's just brave alone to get in now me and you are so different like, really I've I've never I've like, I've thought about joining boxing gyms just because like boxing is a good sport to be part of, but I've never like even in the idea that I'd join a boxing gym, I've always thought I don't really want to like ever be in a ring. Like yeah, um, but if I was, I I know I'd choose some good walkout music, but it would be like, it would be something that matches my personality. Like it doesn't even have to be like a song that makes me seem hard. Like it could be a jazz song for all I care, but like. Just a good song, and then what, what would be a walkout song? I don't know. Maybe like "I Feel Good" by James Brown. Yeah, fucking good song. But it is a good song. So you know that kind of shit. Like it's not, it's not a song that my the man standing in the ring on the other side is gonna be like, oh this this cunt's hard. Like, I'm, I'm not. I also don't think I'd interact with the crowd one bit. I think I'd completely yeah. ignore. I think I'd either be too nervous or too focused or whatever. And after I'd won, I, that I, I'm not a celebrator. If I win, okay. If I win a point in tennis, I go. I might do a fist bump occasionally. That fist bump occasionally. But for example, if I scored in rugby, I would. And I mean, rugby's never really had celebrations, so it's fair enough. But like, <laughs> it's the same with football. It's the same with like. like I, I I'm so non-reactionary. Like. It, I don't know who it is. No, I don't. I'm just doing my job. Why would I celebrate? Like, that is. Oh, it was. It was. Oh, but that's the same thing for me. Like, why would I 
I, it, to me, it feels like, yeah, I've just done what I'm meant to do. Like, for me, <laughs> it's the team. Just done your job. It's not, it's not me, it's the team. Yeah, it is about the team, of course. But I like to, like, celebrate my little wins. I just think of it of, like, that's my last goal. Like, fuck it, I'm going to make the most of it. But, like, and, like, I love the whole trash talking stuff. Like, I get pretty... If you're saying when I play like any sports fluid, I get so involved in that. But just like because I'm quite interested in the psychology of sport, like, I've done it to some people and they've completely lost their heads. Like, yeah, they've taken it way too personally. Like some guy stamped on my hand the other day. I was like, okay, like, oh, that really hurt me. And then he called me fat. And then I was like. I got like, I was like, that's his tits. I was like, says you, mate. And then just jiggled his nipple. And then he completely lost his head. He was not happy. Um, and then and then this guy called me small, yeah? I was like, that's what every secure man says. And then he's like, nah, but you're fucking, you're fucking midget. Fuck it. I was like, yeah, you, you sound very secure in yourself, buddy. But like, I love that. Like, I, I welcome that both ways. Like, I feel I can, I can take it pretty well. Like if you can give it, you gotta be able to take it as well. You're also not very small. Like that's an insane insult to say to someone who's not five foot four. He seems to be pretty chuffed with himself. I love a little goal, a little. Because I feel like playing sports sometimes I have a bit of frustration build up. So I'm like, yeah. See, I celebrate in private, right? Like I, if I if I knock someone out, which will never ever happen. Because I'm, as I said, I'm probably never stepping in a ring in my lifetime. But if I was in that situation, I've, I can only imagine myself celebrating when I'm like back in the dressing, like locker room, like hugging my team and then like pumping my yeah. fist, like like punching the locker, going <laughs> like. But I wouldn't You're do it in cold. public. I wouldn't do it in public. Interesting. I feel like my celebrations are pretty Americanized because I'm like, fucking give me that. I'm like, yeah, fucking give me that. No, no, I do like you know how basketball players do that the, whole, the hat. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know why I do that, but it's just something that's happened really naturally. I think, I think baseball. If you want, if you want a sport that's about psychology, really, yeah. You, you've never been allowed to celebrate in baseball till recently, like, really. Yeah, and sometimes certain celebrations can still like cause both benches to clear. So, like, everyone comes onto the pitch to fight. If you do an extra extravagant bat flip, for example, everyone's head's gone. It's disrespectful, is it? Yep. Fuck, yeah, it is. And it should be. I love, like, shit like that. And I always encourage people to... Yeah, I think we're all different, celebrating your own way. But I do love yeah. getting in people's heads. You're right about that. Yeah, I love I love a little battle of insults. Oh, no, a classic one you should definitely try is pretend, like, your lace is undone, go down. And just undo that laces and then run away. It's fucking brilliant. I love that one. That one, I think that's my number one. I love that one. Because it just fucking annoyed. That's when that's when the guy stamped on my hand. Because I undid his laces. See, I can't, I can't do that in the league we play in. Because I reckon I just get kicked. Because there's, there's a lot of middle-aged men in that league that yeah, are quite angry. Uh, yeah, I'd probably prioritise your safety first, to be fair. And yeah, I just love... Lit, leaving a little bit on someone. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I was playing against my friends, like, and it was like me and my housemate, Joe, you know, the, the Northern Block, mm. lovely guy. Um, Us two and our friend Ish that comments 
Yes. Every week. Ish, shout out Ish the Wall. That's the guy, man. Us three on a team, I think. Biggest trash talkers. And like, our friend Jude wears a headband and he's like, who the fuck's this guy with a headband? I think he's all that. And then our friend started on the bench. I was like, and speaking to their manager, like, why, why the fuck is he on the bench? What's going on? Just like to kind of disrupt the team harmony. I think it's quite important. And then I played against a friend, my friend called Henry, and Henry just like released the ball. And then I came up right behind him, just gave a little, a little body. He's like, what the fuck is that? But yeah, it's all in, it's all done in love, I think, from my side anyway. Well, see, that's why I'm a defender, because I've been rugby educated, which I think is why I play like I do, because I play like I play rugby. And what that means is I'm never focused on the ball. Like, obviously, if I'm in a one-on-one situation, if I can get the ball, I will. But my priority isn't the ball not getting past me. It's the man not getting past me. So if he's, like, done... If he's done me, there's no chance that I'm not shoulder-barging him into the ground. Like, it's just... It's it's the done thing. Like, there was a two-on-one in that one match. And I was on the, I had to like cover the wing and the guy. Like I was, I was the one guy and I had these two guys and this guy like, you know, and you were on FIFA, you like just do a long touch so you can like sprint past the guy. Oh yeah, yeah. Did that. So I just like check, body checked him. And then he like was like asking the ref for like, surely that's like a red card. And I was like, the ref didn't care. Gave him a free kick. And I was like, but I just stopped them definitely scoring him. So that's fine. Yeah. I mean, exactly. it, stuff like that, you know, you're not going to get sent off sometimes. So, yeah. I mean, it, to be fair, my, my figure helps because it, it just looks like I'm a bit slow and I, I couldn't have stopped myself. I was, I was just there and he ran into me as much as anything. Yeah, I fucking love that. I love sports, especially while I'm young. I hope I carry it on like when I'm older and yeah. got more stuff going on in life because it's definitely hard to keep it up. Like, yeah, keep it up. And like, I still want to be at a good standard. I think accepting, I think it must be definitely harder for like footballers accepting where when they're not just at the level they used to be. But I feel like for regular people like us, it would be pretty, pretty difficult if you played and you've been accustomed to a certain standard and then you just, your body doesn't feel the same. Yeah. So, got to enjoy it while you're young. Absolutely. Like, yeah. I just- I think that's why I play tennis is purely because I, I I quit rugby when it got to the point where it was just yeah it's a hobby and if you're gonna keep playing you're gonna have to put your body like on the line every week and mm. I don't wanna like have to break something to you know just have a bit of fun so yeah I've got to the point where I feel like the read that's the reason like tennis is my main sport now it's just purely out of self preservation <laughs> yeah fair enough. Cause like yeah, like I, I've once you get to the point where you start playing men. Oh it's yeah, same as when you play like football against a, like a middle aged men's team. Like there is yeah. anger in them, and they will like oh my god, yeah, do shit to you that no one else would, and like they will hurt you just out of their own anger. Yeah, and, like, I'm not there for that, and I don't really like no no man can hurt me on a tennis court. He can hit the ball at me a bit aggressively, and I've got just return it. And that's about it. Yeah, and they do all these intimidation tactics. Mm. Listen, you're not going to keep me quiet. I'm going to keep chatting and talking, mate. You can't intimidate me. Can't. 
can't keep the star boy quiet, do you know what I'm saying? But no, you're right, bro. Those men, like, we're old enough to be their sons. Like, you're, we're young enough to be their sons, but fuck me, they'll actually, like, just go through you. Like, like just because they want to, it's really... I, I remember I was 16 and I was playing like, against a men's team. Like, yeah, I was just getting thrown about, like... Yeah. Like, I was pretty physically built for 16, like, 17. But, like, one arm, and you know, like... Is that like a man? A man's strength is so much different out of kids' strength at that time, and like they will just like two foot you if you want, and like nothing's gonna happen because like the refs, he's their mate. Or something. Yeah, yeah. Like every time we play a men's team, they're always like the dirtiest cunts, and the ref doesn't care because he's like, oh yeah, well done, Mike. I'm like, like you yeah. can't vocally be like talking to the other team like they're your mates you're meant to be a ref yeah refs are weird a lot of them are here are like 70 plus i'd say yeah i feel like element of sympathy in terms of like when we're all getting on their backs but at the same time i am just like please protect the players because someone's actually gonna get badly injured here if you don't well how do you even speak to refs i i i'm actually very polite genuinely Ask any of my teammates that like, I'm actually very polite. Like I'm not, what the fuck? I'm not, I don't, I don't swear at the refs because like they're older than you. I don't think you speak to someone like that in real life. I don't think you just change. Yeah. I might just be like quietly to myself. What the fuck was that? But like I'm not gonna. I don't hurl abuse and like I just go speak to the ref. Like ref, what's going on? Like wasn't that far? I thought I thought I looked a bit diff- a bit differently. Like. Travel it, have a little bit of a laugh with them. I think it's quite important. So is that how you think that you should? Yeah, like I think, yeah, absolutely. I don't think you should. I don't mind. Listen, I don't actually mind the whole. Maybe at the professional level, it's different. But if like our team like surrounds the ref, a couple of players like just show a bit of unity and like just intimidation tactics. Like, because ultimately, sometimes the ref is your your twelfth man. Your twelfth man, you got. Get behind it, but I don't think like people are like heard abuse, and especially like he's just not going to change his decision at the end of the day. There's no VAR in these leagues, but like, like line notes are pretty non existent, <laughs> like they're just not going to change their decision. It that's what pisses me off the most, probably about professional football. Like, I don't, I don't think it should be any different. In fact, I think most people should be held most accountable because that like, kids copy, like kids copy professional players, so. If you want to stop referees getting like surrounded unfairly, for example, or like like people going like this in their face and like shouting at them, yeah, it's up to the players that play on TV and the kids see. Like when they surround them, for example, like don't give him a red card. I'm pretty sure if I was a referee, that makes me like a hundred percent more likely to give yeah. him a red card. Like why are you all crowding me? Like you're not gonna change the color of what comes out of my pocket. You might yeah. just annoy me more which could like unconsciously bias your team for the rest of the match anyway yeah I don't agree with like physical stuff either towards the ref like I think you should never put your hands on the ref in my opinion um like we saw Mitrovic do that and if he he probably is going to make being made an example of but like you can't like it wasn't just once either's like proper I mean, face nuts I'm like what and he weird. And it's not like he just like, t- like it's not like he just touched him either. Like he pushed him. That's that's enough. If you were in a pub and someone did that to someone, like yeah, guy, I was pretty surprised to see that. 
start a fight kind of thing. Like that's yeah. it was it wasn't a casual thing at all either. Yeah, um, I was pretty surprised to see that when Bruno pushed the ref for the linesman. I was like, I don't think I'd ever seen that before. No. I just feel like it's that one of those things that you just never touch the ref. See, as much as I like him as a player, I do think that the way he treats like refs in general, Bruno is just not good. I think his fucking attitude stinks, to be honest. But you're obviously a United fan, you're watching more, but I actually fucking rate him. I think he's so sick. No, as I say, like, I like him as a player. He's, he does some things that like you won't see until he's done it. Like yeah. he, he can just make that pass that like, you're like, why would you even think to do that? But yeah, the way he treats refs in my mind is disgusting. And I think he can ghost, he can ghost though sometimes. The game has to be quite suited to him. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. But I think, yeah, the way he treats refs is just disgusting, in my opinion. Like, yeah, it's, it's I, pretty horrible to see. The closest I've ever got to complaining to a ref in most of my life is just going, Sir! So I can't I, like, I can't really relate as much. Like I've caught myself calling football refs sir before. And then I'll, like, I have to force myself to say ref. Like, it's it, sound, it feels wrong to me. Like if even yeah. if I just ask a ref how long is that to me, it's like I, you should be. I should be calling you sir, but I know if I call you sir, you probably won't even reply to me because who the hell calls you sir? Uh, yeah, I can't like that football thing to call some ref sir. I think you probably made your fun of it if you did. Exactly, but like it's obviously a massive thing of respect. Like if that was ever introduced into football, I think it'd be a positive thing. Yeah, should football treat referees more like rugby players do? Like we've spoken about the whole having only the captain speak to the ref before, which I think would go a long way. Yeah, that that does so much. Like when a player who isn't the captain tries to speak to the referee, the referee just ignores them. He's just like, "Go away! I I don't want to talk to you. If you yeah. want to talk to me, get your captain to talk to me." Like it is referee referees are people in terms of like they they make mistakes. Yeah, but then. By making a mistake, they kind of rectify it by making another mistake by like kind of giving the other team like something that probably shouldn't have been given. Do you see that? Well, the way I see it, a ref is an adjudicator, right? Yeah. Like they're always going to try and instill a sense of fairness as much as they can if they're like a good ref. You have to think about if you're in a court, right? And the judge was like not seeing things your way, you wouldn't start like shouting at him. Yeah, like you wouldn't say anything. You you would be as polite as possible, and yeah, maybe your freedom or your money is on the line in that situation, or your reputation or whatever. But like, there's this person is still in control of you, whether it's your team, your life, your whatever. Like, this is an adjudicator who's making a decision, and at the end of the day, is the person with the most power on that pitch. So you should be treating them with more respect than anyone else on that pitch. Yeah, the utmost respect, man, 100%. All I'm going to say is I would love to see footballers start calling them referees, sir, and having a one um, That That, to me, I know it's like an archaic, traditional thing. Yeah. Shouldn't crowd refs and shouldn't shout at them. I don't agree. Oh, at a young age, though, like, yeah. parents, kids. Uh, yeah. In football, anyway, refs so much abuse. It's really bad growing up. And like these would be like young refs as well, like like the 17-year-old ref in like an underrated game. 
And it's just he's just getting bare stick. Hmm. But this is this is the thing, right? Shit. Rugby, you get punished. Like um Jamie Ritchie, for example, spoke back Scotland captain. So he's allowed to talk to the ref, but in rugby, you dare not question the ref. Like if the ref makes a decision, that is the ref's decision. I've yeah. been on the team many times where I've had to like roll my eyes at a player because he's been a bit gobby and he's gone like, oh, so like that's not and then we get marched back another 10 meters. And then he does it again. So we get marched back another 10 meters. Like Billy Vunapola, a couple of Six Nations ago, did the same thing. We got marched back 20 meters because he spoke back to the ref twice in a row. And like you can get a yellow card for doing it. And so you're ten, 10 minutes off the pitch in a sim bin. Yeah. Like in football, there's none of that. You can literally shout in the ref's face. And as long as you don't say anything to him that's overly offensive or push him, he's not going to do anything to you. He's just going to say, yeah. okay, go away. I've made my decision. The ref's giving me abuse. One ref called me a wanker because I, yeah. I can't, you know, like, do you know, like Van Persie in Champions League against Barcelona, like, he didn't hear the whistle, so he kicked the ball away and got sent off. Mm. That's literally what I did. I was like, and he was like, you son. And he did that. And I was like, whoa, hang about. I've never had this. We had a ref um, call one of our players uh, like a fucking little shit and put his hands around his neck. What sport? Football. Yeah, cool. That's what happened. Yeah. Like, this is the thing. Rugby players have like mostly good relationships with the referee. Like, um, for example, it's quite common for a referee to go like in the men's game, like to the pub with the players after the match. Like, all the players go to the pub and the ref goes with them, and all the clubhouse, and. Like, even when we were kids, like, we had a certain number of refs that we would get regularly. So, like, you get to know their name, you get to, like, talk to them on and off the pitch. Yeah. Like, you actually build up like, quite a good rapport with them. Like, and, and, you like, you can just have a casual chat with the ref. In rugby, I'd say the ref's seen as someone that everyone respects and will, like, not cross. And in football, it's like, sometimes I feel like the ref's just seen as the most evil person on the pitch. Yeah, someone that doesn't deserve your respect because they're just not a good person and they're trying to fuck you over. Like that's yeah. the perception I see a lot. That's a very fair observation. I think that's pretty fair. Yeah, I think we've covered that pretty well. I just wanted to talk about de-stressing and especially if you're at uni. Um, so obviously, dissertation season for a lot of people. And it's kind of like a very busy, if not like the busiest time of our academic careers ever. Obviously, like it's really busy at the moment and possibly could get busier and more stressful. But like, I think what I've done personally, yeah. um, when I was speaking to my housemates about this and like, obviously we were all feeling slightly stressed about shit. And then we're just feeling, saying that it's kind of nice to have the mindset of like, it's kind of only temporary. And also... Doing little things. I think you times is like doing little things that you have to look forward to, like planning stuff to make you look forward to it. I mean, like, ah, uh, like during the week, ah, uh, I might go out for a meal or like have dinner with someone kind of thing. And then, you you know, like, it's like extra motivation to get it done that day or like hit whatever target you've got or, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, get it done that day because like, oh, in the evening I can do this or I'm playing sport or we're going to watch an episode of something like just like 
having little like having little goals and little focuses to know that uh, I'm looking forward to something and then obviously you're looking forward to your summer as well added to that so that's personally what I've um, kind of employed yeah when it's just come to like de-stressing if you like I'm seeing my like just chilling in my house a bit more as well like we work together pretty well I mean that helps you being around people and obviously like it's nice to have alone time and shit but like it's nice to be around people and it's kind of like building that camaraderie because like we're all in this together or we can you make dinner together or we can watch an episode of my audio visual of the week which I'm not going to reveal yet so yeah it's brilliant that's how did you find it when you were at uni like was that something you you did as well or did you have different methods oh yeah I was going to say obviously I've I've been where you are like um it's it's actually quite funny because I spoke to a few people about this last night um because I look back at it and maybe it's because I know I did the very good dissertation like I got a good (laughs) my sick my result was a good like I got a good grade and it's a dissertation that I loved writing like it's all about sports and class and Britain so you know something that I'm quite good at and something that I actually enjoy writing about so I look back at it quite fondly like I look back at it thinking this is like one of the best things I've probably done I'm really proud of it and I only look back and I think about how enjoy that and how much I enjoyed it but apparently it was the most stressful time in my life according to people around me that they've ever seen me go through so yeah maybe i'm looking at it well i'm i'm sure it was but like now i look at it in a positive way but like i think i'm looking at it through rose tinted glasses like back then i i can i can imagine i was very stressed like apparently my biggest worry was not writing enough like yeah yeah you've done a day where you've meant to done, I don't know, X number of words and you've not done X number of words and you feel like now that you've fallen behind on one day, you've got to make up for it because otherwise you'll be behind tomorrow and the day after and the day after and the day after. Yeah. So I think... Self-critical as well. Yeah, I think that's always a really dangerous pressure to put on yourself is that an amount that you have to do. Um, You've got a pop ADM it, mate. See how the day is. Yeah, and I think... think I don't know if you have... Do you have a plan? Like, in terms um, of... Yeah, I do have a plan. Like, a time-based plan? Oh, no. But I kind of know I have to get it done, so... No, no, no. Like, I want my abstract done by... Blah. I want my conclusion done by this date. I want these this section of it done now. I want this section of it done by, like, X no, day. I can't say I really have that... Maybe I should. Should I have that? Um, maybe. I don't feel like I work well with like. I'm sure it's not rigid for you, but like it feels kind of rigid for me, and so it's like I I'm kind of like a freestyler. Like I'd rather just Same. go through the flows of it as opposed to being like. But like obviously that give it give I see the other side where it gives you a nice focus point and target. I think like targets are important, and obviously it's more motivation. But I don't know. I don't know for me if that's that would uh, like if it would work for me and it would be any more motivation. I think it would actually go the other way and possibly be more pressure on me. Well, I'm the same. Like I feel 
like I was talking to you and someone about this the other day and I was saying how because they they suggested to me doing like some kind of project planning kind of timetable for myself to like feel a bit more motivated and stuff and I was yeah. asked, to be honest if you mean like a Gantt chart I hate Gantt charts but I, I, I don't in, but I think I think writing one even if you then don't pay attention to it at all it's quite useful. Like our our university made us write Gantt charts when we started our dissertation. Like, yeah, we do this. Like this, this two weeks or three weeks is introduction or research, and then research goes on for the next X number of weeks while we start yeah. the introduction, and then like once introduction's done, you know, main body comes in. Like mm. Main body section one, main body section two, main body section three, conclusion and that was quite helpful like i didn't use it once i don't think but just having that kind of plan in my head like yeah this is what i'm doing first next 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 and next and like i know i want to get it done like i don't know i think i set myself a month early to get it done so that i had a month to like nitpick and i don't think yeah. i met I don't think I met it at all yeah no cuz i didn't upload it until like the last day I was driving home from Eastbourne and Kim was in the passenger seat reading it through out loud so I could like listen to it for the final time. Yeah. We got home like an hour maybe before the deadline. And so that Shit. hour was me exporting it and uploading it. Yeah. Um, and that was fucking scary, bro. I can't lie. Well, that's how I've I live. I've got to do at least like a couple of days a day, like, See, that's how I live. Paranoia just hits, bro. That's how I lived my um, uni life. I got a quite a big reputation for being the one guy that, like, yeah, this a guy on my course called Jack. He he would always like take the piss out of me because he'd like come in and say, like, he'd say he's behind on the project that we're meant to be working on. Like, we were working on final major project for quite a while, especially while we were doing interstation as well. So that was quite hard. Like, we had to do six advertising campaigns each um, and he was like so i've done this many adverts so far harry how many have you done and then i'd be like i've not started and he would go see that's why i asked you because like i knew you wouldn't have so as long as it makes me feel better about where i am then i'm fine that's safe. <laughs> he, he sounds lovely he sounds like the kind of guy you'd you don't want to be around nah, he's, he's all right anyway Ooh. let's be on to the week of yeah. the weeks. Hit me with your winner of the week, bro. Tefla. Tefla. Fashion brand. Yeah. With the bags, isn't it? Yeah. I don't Mega. know if you've seen this week they announced that their drop coming out um is gonna have a demand-based pricing model. And there will be the recommended retail price will be the maximum and the wholesale price will be the minimum and every item that they drop will start at the minimum price of the wholesale retail price so that what they sell it's the wholesale yeah um yeah and depending on how many people buy that item the price will increase and then okay. people stop buying it then it will drop again and if people keep buying it it will like keep going up and yeah what what it's designed to do is that it means in the future, whenever that item is released again, people pay what it's actually worth. So yeah. it'll be frozen at that price for all future releases. 
And so if the bag starts at 100 quid and it goes up to 130 and then it stops and it's sold out at 130, they will never sell it for less or more than 130 pounds again. Yeah, it's pretty mega. Which is um, I've always liked Tefla, to be honest. Um, I remember watching a TikTok video about like the owner and how he like started out some American Liberian heritage and like just hearing this come up is sick. Like I I don't own a Tefla bag. I don't know too many people that do, but I just I just do like them. Like I can definitely see the attraction. Um and that's quite a good one model to employ as well. My winner of the week is Kylian Mbappe because he firstly became France's captain at 24. I think that's quite an impressive achievement. And he balled out against the Netherlands last night. I think he scored a couple of goals, got an assist and kind of cemented himself as like, I mean, everyone knew he was that guy, but like he's the captain now and new responsibilities. We've seen players flock on under that kind of responsibility, but yeah. not this guy, man. 24 years old, leading your country in that way. It's pretty impressive. Enough said. Fair enough. I really hope he, like, sticks to this level. Not sticks it, but, like, it just gets even better. Like, I don't think there's one football I, 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 like, I'm praying for their downfall. Like, nah, I just want to see them actually, like, ball out. And I, I uh, think he's also, as long as he just keeps the ego down a bit as well. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. That's the one thing that I think could happen. It's like, yeah. I, don't, I don't want him to do a Ronaldo, for example. Like, Ronaldo said that um, the way that he left Man United, I don't know if you saw this week, he said he was asked about the leaving of Manchester United. And he said, I had a low point in my career. Which suggests to me that maybe he regrets the doing the interview or at least leaving the way he did. Yeah. And the reason he did that was because of ego. And I don't want, like... Mbappe, who's very obviously shown signs of being able to via like his PSG contract, mm. for example, and the way he treats certain people allegedly, that he has the ability to be like, it's all about me and I will do whatever. Yeah. Who's your loser of the week? Sadly, my loser of the week is McLaren. I've 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 been cool. holding on to this for a few weeks, ever since the first race of the season. <laughs> Um, I thought I wouldn't do it after Bahrain because I thought, you know, they, they could improve. Um, they did yeah. by position. I still ass. And that, yeah, that I mean, Oscar Piastri, fair play to him. He qualified ninth. Oscar Piastri then dropped down to 17th. Oscar Piastri then finished in 15th, which is our best result of the season from two races. And that's all I really want to say. We are shocking. I don't enjoy it. I'm I don't actually currently watch anything F1 related because I don't feel like there's much point. Um, didn't they have a structural reshuffle of like the hierarchy as well? Yeah, they fired. Um, I don't know. I don't know enough about the structure of F1 teams to be honest. It's, it's the one thing that I've always found just a bit boring. But hopefully that improves it. Yeah, I was considering putting them actually as well. But I went for Julian Nagelsmann. Um, he just yesterday got fired from Bayern Munich. So basically, he found out about his firing, allegedly, supposedly, via social media. So via Fabrizio, he then had to come in into the like the Bayern HQ or whatever, and kind of 
receive official word that he's been fired, which obviously hella disrespectful. And then his girl broke up with him. Well, they they split, and he's also been linked to Tottenham Hotspur. So oh. I just, I think that probably tops. That's out of everything. It's three of them in a row. Yeah. Like, um. But yeah, I think I just imagine that's a bit of a heavy weekend. Yeah. That I mean, pretty surely, Conte's poisoned the chalice enough at Tottenham for no one who's self-respecting to want to go there. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Conte was, he's just, he's just a small, crazy man, isn't he? Like the, the sacking itself, unless yeah. there's something, some deteriorate, deterioration of like a relationship. Relationship. Makes no sense. The guy's at 34. And he's an amazing manager who's one point off first in a league that they'll probably still win. Quarterfinal. And that like, it's just absolutely storming through the Champions League as always. Like yeah. I don't really understand the decision to fire him unless there was a deterioration in the relationship, like clearly happened with his girlfriend too. <sighs> Julian, I support you, bro. He's he's a young manager. He'll get another chance. Support him. You just called him loser of the week. Yeah, like listen, it's all about the it's all about a bounce back, bro. It's not about a setbacks. He's thirty four. He's gonna. I'm sure he's gonna have a long career in football. But he's still on Bayern's payroll. Like he's re- receiving like like eight mil a year until he gets another club. So like, <laughs> I mean, listen, Julian, just go out there and fuck shit up, bro. Take a little break, a little rest for yourself. What is your track? My track of the week is You Ain't Got a Chance, Boy, by Next Northwest, off of his new album, Sin's Disappearance, and in general, the whole album, um, which obviously I heard on Thursday evening. And yeah, it's funny enough, like, Sun in My Eyes is like, the most popular song, but I reckon You Ain't Got a Chance Boy is my favourite. But they're both good songs, as all of the songs on the album are, and just, yeah, worth listening to. Even more worth it in person. Like, that genuinely was an amazing experience. Yeah. And also shout out Asha Kosher and Earth Evil, who were his warm-up act, who were, like, also very, very good to listen to. Like, I, yeah. you have to understand that they're, like, un, to me, at least, unknown people. And they're not big artists. Like they're opening for Nick's Northwest, who himself is like a very much a growing artist. So it's it's not like they've got a massive following. So you don't expect them to be like you expect them to be like decent, but you don't expect them to be anything good. But they are I've never seen an, an act successfully warm up a crowd so well. Like they they were just really good. They were Yeah. And very humble guys. They were really nice. Shout out them. Kind of struggled to pick one this week. I don't know the name of the song, but Succession intro song is banging. Oh, what you mean the series? Yeah. Okay, I've never watched it. God, are you in for a? Oh, I know what you're about to talk about, aren't you? Kind of ruined it, but well, you did this to yourself. Yeah, I know, but like, if you said to the Succession intro enough to choose it as your track of the week, then you've been watching Succession enough to choose it as your audio-visual. I mean, I actually watch it that much. I don't know. It's difficult to watch things with people. 
Yeah. Even especially, especially when it's three people, like including myself. Like that's hard. Do you guys not like just watch it when you're together when you can and then watch it apart also? No. Listen, if I watched it apart, I'd be called a snake. That's what I did with Happy Valley. And then yeah, I know my, my name just got onto me. I was like, I can't lie. If I've just had a long day at uni and I want to watch an episode of Happy Valley, realistically, I am just going to do that. Like, you're not going to stop me from doing that. <laughs> and I'm going to do it without any guilt as well. I think that's probably the worst. I think that's the part that I don't like. I do it without guilt. Like, I don't actually care. I hope your future girlfriend never watches this. I'm not going to alter my whole schedule. And like, if I want to do something, I'm going to do it. Like, apologies to her. We'll revisit this after you get married and we'll see how Trust you see There's no chance I'm changing. I promise you. This, when you watch, when you choose to watch something to me, with me, it's at your own risk, to be honest. Okay. At your own risk, bro. So why is why is Succession your audio visual of the week? If it is, what who said that? Um, it is because it's it's just a brilliant show. Shout out Ish again. I feel like I'm giving this guy too much praise, but he was the one that put us on it. He said, "Trust me, watch it." Basically, it's about this family who have like this media business and it's like multi billion dollar media business. It's it's like basically the Murdochs, the Murdoch family. So, you know, like Rupert Murdoch. Their dad's like really old. And it's kind of like this fight for power. The relationships between the the siblings is like four of them who are fighting for power. Who wants to be CEO? Who wants to lead the firm? Dad could be on his deathbed. We don't know if he's dead yet. I don't know. It's just like, it's just brilliant. It's the cast are brilliant. They're funny. They're engaging. I think they just fit their roles so perfectly as well. I think like they've been clearly, they've been picked with a lot of thought. And yeah, it's a brilliant audiovisual. Um it just kind of shows this New York money, like East Side money, and how that like creeps into society and how that kind of works in a firm and in a corporate, a corporate sense as well. Because like, I feel like I have an idea of it, but I've not seen it in practice. And I feel like this kind of shows the power struggles between that and then, and like, we don't know what their real mum is saying. We only know like their father's like partner. And yeah. she's just acting a bit sus at the moment. And we don't know like why she's doing that, what her motivations are. And yeah. It's just brilliant. I've heard a lot of mixed reviews about it, but I've always wanted to watch it. No, you should definitely watch it. We've only just finished episode four of the oh, first season. Okay, so you're on, okay, so you're starting now, right? Okay. Yeah, we're really early on, and and I can't lie, when I go home for Easter, fuck them guys. I don't care. I don't care. I'm well, watching that. It doesn't like the new season come out on Monday as well, like the final season. Yeah, yeah, it does. I'm excited and apparently it only gets better. So I've enjoyed it that much so far and it just it only gets better. So I'm looking forward to that. What is your audio visual week? Mine is the Waco Apocalypse documentary on Netflix. Um a little town, if you want to call it that, maybe even a village, maybe even just a house in um Texas, I think. It's about this cult headed by this guy called David Koresh 
and he believed he was the second coming of Christ. He told his followers that Waco and this little um, place that they lived in called Mount Carmel, which was just the compound they lived on, which was, by the way, built like a military training camp kind of place, yeah. which is a bit of foreshadowing. Um, they produced machine guns there and other things and grenades because they believed that the federal government was going to come for them and that this was going to be where like the final battle was going to be which is a crazy thing as a cult leader to like he basically set his whole life out for this moment clearly because he produced machine guns illegally so that the federal government would come and do a raid and when the federal government came and did a raid they had a massive shootout and four guys died on the first day like four federal agents died on the first day then there was a 51 day standoff and i'm not going to tell you anything more than that because you know there's a lot of things there um in all documentaries the filmmaker is obviously on one side as much as it's like you know I assume some people try and not be biased, but this guy is very much on the cult side. Yeah. From what I can gather from the way he laid all the information out. I'm not. The cult, the people in the cult that died, um, a lot of them are victims. Like, there's no way about it. Like, a lot of people that join cults are victims. As a general rule, like, they also put themselves in a the situation they ended up in. So I don't feel terrible in terms of I think even if the federal government potentially did some things that might have been unlawful, which I don't, I don't agree with breaking the law to like meet your end. Um, I, but I think very harrowing watch, by the way, like you will see dead people. Damn. You will see people get shot. You will see dead bodies on film. Um, you will have quite a few strong topics brought up like child abuse and sexual abuse of children that it's not an, not a comfortable watch um but it's very interesting it's it's a really interesting thing to watch i find cults creepish and yeah so unsettling yeah and this oh. guy is really creepy like he's the ultimate cult guy i will just say there's this lady who was part of the cult might still be like she's really in favor of the cult she still refers to this guy as her god she defended his child sexual abuses in the most disgusting way that I think I've ever seen it done. And I'm not going to say what that is. Like, that is something that you have to watch to find out because the way she says it is just genuinely unbelievable and you have to be completely brainwashed to say it like that. Well, like she's saying it, like, to this day, like... Yeah. 2023? Yeah. Fucking hell. I'll check that out. I will. I watched something... I can't remember what it was called, but it had Emma Watson in it, and it was about colonial dick and dad. So it's just like this Bavarian place in um in Chile. Mm. Like it's just like this little Bavarian village that was actually like I think like it was funded by the Chilean government. Right. So like, yeah, yeah. And it's just again a cultish guy. It's like you were in Bavaria, like you're in Germany, like these Aryan people. Um, that all brainwashed and yeah Emma Watson's in this film and I think there's a dictator and he was her boyfriend was a photographer and she travelled from like the USA or like the UK to come visit him and go to all these protests and 
No, she was an air hostess. That's what it was. And she came to Chile and he was like a photographer. And then one day the army came in and like took him and then took him to this place. And she, that was like the last time she saw him. And then she she basically went to find him through all these places and it just really, really tapped. Like yeah. just abuses in the most horrible, horrible way. Like just strips of your dignity and ah. I couldn't imagine it. And then it's it was difficult to escape because they had like, you know, those invisible like electric wires. So like even when you're running, you'll trip up and then you get shots and you die and it's fucked. Yeah. I, I recommend it as well. I wish I knew its name, but just search up Colonel Dig the Dad. I will look at it. Yeah, it's really freakish. When you learn about like South America's history with Nazi Germany. It's Germany, like, yeah, I think it was started by Nazis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a lot of South American countries that I was really shocked to hear about because I thought it was just one in particular, but Argentina. Yeah. What is your thing of the week? This hoodie and um, the accompanying T-shirt that Kim is wearing, which you can't see, but Nick's Northwest merch, basically. Uh, uh, is it? Oh, did you, cool. signed, you say he signed the merch? Well, he signed posters. Okay, cool. I'm sure, he probably would have signed a T-shirt if you wanted him to. I feel like that would be a bit over the top. Yeah, it would be. It's just nice. Like, he's actually mm. made good merch, which is a very rare thing for me to say about an artist. Like, I don't think bought any merch so far fitted correctly after, like, the second time of wearing it. What's, like, the fit like? Does it fit nicely? For me, they're both a bit baggy because we got a large because I thought, you know, merch normally shrinks and it's not been washed yet, so maybe it will and maybe I'll prefer it a bit more, but they both suit Kim yeah. quite well. That's lovely to hear. Is he from like London, like the UK? He is from, believe it or not, Northwest London. Yeah, I thought so. Just a very normal guy, as I said before. Like, he's definitely a North Northwest guy. My thing of the week comes from the Mob Kitchen. You know, you definitely know Mob. You're one of those. You sh- you surely know Mob. Oh, I saw uh, everyone that I'm friends with. Like, I feel like you would know Mob. I don't, but I did see a post of theirs go on my feed a couple of days ago for the first, like, then I've heard of them now. I heard of them, <laughs> but I don't know who they are at all. Mob are, uh, like, a kitchen. Mob, they don't call that Mob Kitchen, and they're just, like, a group that just cooks and create these recipes and shit. And right. I think they're pretty big now. Uh, yeah, they are pretty big, just the just the 1.4 million followers on Instagram. So, yeah, they're nothing... Yeah, nothing special. Yeah, they're they're massive. Clearly, I didn't. I kind of didn't realize how big they were. But they're like these metropolitan Londoners that like dress a certain way and go to the bakery, like the artisan bakeries. Like they're they're like that. But they made some banging recipe, and then me and my friend we wanted to try it out, so I made it for her, and it was lovely. It was a crispy cheese and marmite, marmite notchy, gnocchi, notchy. Noki, Noki, it's Noki. Um, I really should that at first. Noki. Um, oh, don't do it again. See, this is why. This is what. This is why I thought you'd love them because a cert, it's a certain crowd that really love mob and pretend they're like underground, where. Whereas they're just fucking massive. Well, yeah, I don't pretend anything's on the ground. Come on. But yeah, you should look them up. You're 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 big foodie. You you cook a lot in it. So I think I do. They're, they're, I'm looking at it now, and it does look delicious. To be fair, 
Yeah. And they're followed by Lovely what? They're followed by what Willie Cook, so they must be good. Who? What Willie Cook? I don't know that is, lad. Oh, he's 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 a bloody amazing chef, I'll tell you that. He's funny as well. He makes really good videos. Try it out. Try try my try my knocky. Notchy. It's because I spelt it wrong here. I keep saying it. I spelt it wrong. So then my brain was just like, oh, I don't know that word. But yeah, Noki. I don't really, I'm not, I don't really have Noki that often. Like that was the first time I've ever made it. But it's definitely like something that I probably make more regularly. I'll make it for you. Don't worry. It was really nice. Like Marmite is just such a different, like, like I'll never have Marmite on a regular, like occasion. But it was just so different, and I think it added to it. It made it a lot better. Made it. That's where the flavors came from. I get it. I, I do love Noki. Do you love Marmite though? I hate it. Yeah, same. We had one taste, but I did. She didn't. And it was... Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. No, no, no. But you appreciate it in a dish. My fixture of the week. Mine is Exeter Chiefs versus Montpellier on the Montpellier. 7th of April in the Heineken's Champions Cup. Um, the reason I've chosen this match is... Even though Luke Cowan Dickey's move to Montpellier is getting a potential stumbling block because he's got a neck injury that they're not sure if it will pass the mm. French rigorous protocols or not. Um, Exeter Chiefs are still losing at the end of the season. Sam Simmons, their starting number eight, who's also occasionally in England as national and always deserves an England call-up. And another player who I can't remember right now. But either way, Luke Cowan-Dickey, also England international, sometimes starting hooker, sometimes substitution hooker, but all three of them might be going to Montpellier, two of them definitely are. So um, there's quite a big exodus of English talent going to French clubs this summer for paydays. Not not an irregular thing, really, because mm. after this World Cup, they've got three years that they can be like, you know, not in England. They don't care if they don't get picked because they're not trying to get picked for a world cup so they can get paid for three years and then come back for the world cup year and still get picked for england um which okay. financially savvy um and one of the other players that exeter are losing for example was jack noll uh england winger i think it's la rochelle might be resting 92 can't remember it's one of them that is offering him between 400 and 500k a year whereas he was offered 75k a year by exeter so just a bit of a grudge match i guess because, yeah. you know, it's a lot of these players' future team. So excited to see it. That'd be quite fun. Got extra points to prove. Yeah. Mine is the North London derby, the women's North London derby, Tottenham versus Arsenal. Sick. Um, yeah, promises to be a good game. Arsenal are, like, smashing it this season. We're in the Champions League, um, playing against Bayern, the Bayern women's team. And Leah Williamson, my El Captino, she's doing a great job, man. Kim Little still kicking it about. She's brilliant. She's been around for so long. Hopefully the ladies perform and get the dub. But it's today, I believe, like today is the 25th of March and Saturday. Um, yeah. And women, women's Six Nations starts today as well. Oh, is it? Who, who, do you know who are favourites to win that? England and then France, and then all the other teams won't win, so. 
Women's Six Nations. Wait, is it the same nations as the men's? Exactly the same. Exactly the same. England, who were slighted by the All Blacks, I believe, just at the end of the last World Cup in the final, um, have a bit of a point to prove, I reckon. Okay. Red Roses, I think there's a name. Yeah. They're going to hopefully bring back the Six Nations for the third or fourth consecutive year. Yeah. And France are the only other nation who have won it in the last four or five years anyway. Like, the other teams just have nothing on us normally. I don't know. I don't know the landscape. I don't know if there's, like, if Italy, like, in the men's game are up and coming. I don't know if Ireland are going to have a resurgence or something. I don't know enough about the women's game, sadly. But from what I've seen in women's rugby that I've watched for the last couple of years... yeah. England's only competitor is France, and if they beat France, then they win the Six Nations. And if France win, then they win the Six Nations. Like, and that's going to be the last match of England's tournament. Like, that will be their fifth fixture on the sun on the Saturday or Sunday, like yeah. in a few months' time, and that'll be the decider. The organisers knew what they were doing. That season ends to this Podzini podcast. Um, thanks for obviously joining me today. I think I, I really enjoyed myself personally. And I've learned a lot. I enjoy my time here. So thank you for having me. No worries, pal. No worries, pal. We'll perhaps look at get, uh, getting you on again, maybe. Okay. Um, For my agent, she will. Yeah. Listen, the kid's big time, man. He knows, he knows celebs in all industries. Ian Sterling, he taps into... The showbiz, you know, as a rugby player, a couple of football stars. <coughs> anyway, uh, love and affection, everyone. Thanks for watching and sticking around. And yeah, see you guys later. Love and affection. Send the Baba Clark, man. Fuck you, bro.